Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. The price you paid for my life God's perfect sacrifice Sufficient for me Good Saturday afternoon to you. This is Victory Over Sin, and my name is Mark Rennick. I hope you're having a wonderful Saturday afternoon, Treasure Valley. This is the part of the show where I explain to you what Victory Over Sin is and who funds us. Victory Over Sin is an effort that is funded by the advocacy arm of Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul. And what we attempt to do in that vein is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to come out of incarceration and to be a part of society after that. We reach out and try to do that in several different ways. One of them is this radio show. And we're approaching well over 100 shows now in terms of going back to KBXL, looking on the archives page under Victor Sin, you'll see all the different shows that we've had. We've had all sorts of interesting people, national figures, uh, state figures, state state officials, uh, elected officials here in the state, as well as many people who have been incarcerated themselves and are out. Also, many people who actually help those of us who are out walking around and supporting us as we transition back into society. Uh, we're going to feature one of those people who have been incarcerated today in just a second. Uh, but uh, in addition to doing the radio show, we also have a PowerPoint presentation that is put on by returning citizens themselves, you can request us to come out and do that for your church, your business, or your service group, if you will. And that is about a 20-minute presentation in which a returning citizen comes out and kind of highlights the issues that affect those of us who have been incarcerated and pretty much what how uh, difficult it is per se for us to transition back in and how much it costs you, the taxpayer. You might be surprised about that cost. You really might be surprised about the emotional uh, way it drains uh, families and the people who love people who have been incarcerated. That's powerful. At the end of the show, you can give me, I'll give you my contact information. You can let me know how we would connect with you and get all those things ready for you. Also, you're driving around out in the world and you need some effort to volunteer. We've actually had a couple calls people volunteer from this radio show, and I'm excited by that. They call in and they're part of our team now, working with people as they are released on a daily basis. If that is something you want to do, you can get in touch with us that way. If you're a returning citizen you want to be a part of the effort, then let's get on board. We've got a lot of work to do to kind of educate Idahoans about what it's like to be on parole. This week, we were lucky enough to go out to one of the institutions, what's called the YARD, the Idaho State Correctional Institution, ISCI, it's called the YARD. And uh, on that situation, we were out there for what they call Life After Prison. It's an event in the afternoon from 1 to 4. It was real interesting to see the different people who are close to being released from incarceration. Lots of different groups, housing groups, support groups, faith-based groups. And it was great to get out there and see some of those people. Saw some friends on the inside, more friends in terms of case managers that are helping us make life easier for those people on the outside, made some good connections. In addition to that, uh, we were also preaching the aspect and the sport of Just Leadership USA, which is an organization that helps people like myself and my guest who will be on real soon, uh, support them as 
they are in, after they're incarcerated to make them uh, their voice heard stronger. It's a national organization. Go to Just Leadership USA and look it up and check that out. It's a free publication, free membership for anybody who's been incarcerated. Check that out. We'll be right back with our guest in one second. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and Coffee Shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. I love guests like this um, who have been incarcerated and who I've made friendships with primarily over the phone and then upon a release. And I love it when that comes together. So I've got Phil on the phone from Canyon County. Phil, how are you, sir? Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. It's really positive. I am well. Good. It's really nice to have people who are of the same kilts, I guess you would say. The, we've come from the same backgrounds, and we are working our way to survive. You've been out for how long, sir? A little over uh, 10 months. So that's just really, really good. And you're doing absolutely fantastic. How much time did you do in the state system? I did uh, about 15 years. 15 years total? Was that straight pretty much or in and out? 15 years straight. That's, that's tough stuff. So you must have traveled in your uh, adventures between institution and institution. Did you go out of state? I was at uh, ICC for four years, now ISCC, I guess it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, went out of state to uh, Texas to a couple of different prisons for a couple of years, which was quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. And then back to uh, ISCI, uh, as we call it, the yard, mm-hmm. for my last nine years. Mm-hmm. And as you were, I recall you were in, what, 15 house or 16 house, right? 16 house is the, uh, they call it the behavioral health unit, the BHU. And uh, I was a mental health volunteer, so I lived there uh, doing suicide prevention uh, work and also uh, hospice volunteering. I always, I always had, uh, people don't know this, but we'll let this people know that at the yard, that is the longest walk for uh, meals of any place in the system, and it's all outside. That's why I always, people said, what do you think, would you want to live at the yard? I said, no, I don't, man, you have to, you could get stuck out where you were, and that's a long walk. It was a long walk, uh, good exercise. I know, but it got cold in the winter, and it was, uh, yeah, I'll tell you. There's always towers making you walk faster and stuff like that. So that was why I didn't like it, but that's okay. I guess it was good exercise. So let's talk about how you and I met real briefly, if that's okay. Well, you know, the radio in there was my lifeline. Uh, might have heard guys call it the seminary of the air, which it was uh, for me. That's how I stayed connected uh, to the community and especially to the faith community. And I used to listen to uh, you and Doug Hardy 
and uh, other guys talk about the various ministries, and I watch the the evolution of this show starting up. I remember when you were saying that you were going to start the Victory Over Sin show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wanted to be a part of all that, and and uh, you know, I prayed for you guys. I appreciate that too, because it uh, and credit to the Schaefer family here who has uh, supported us as we come along. It. Uh, it takes um, some courage, I think you would say, to uh, believe in what some of the things that, that I believe in and that Doug kind of works with in housing and stuff like that and to say, give us some rain to explore these avenues. And I think we've we've had an impact. I'll be honest with you, Phil, I was out at um, the other day at the yard. I was walking around and, and staff would come up to me and I would introduce, I'd say, hi, how are you doing? And they'd say, I know that voice. And it was like, because they'd listen to. So, and that was from staff. So... Yeah, it's nice. We're having some impact. Uh, I think that um, you can't measure it in terms of what happens and what will happen, let's say, from our conversation today, who picks that up and who uh, thinks about something, a change in their life, and that's pretty much what God wants us to do. Would you agree with that? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it might sound uh, cliche, but uh, you can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. That's right. And uh, by God's grace, I want to be part of the solution and, and partner with, with guys like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, who uh, have the same heart? Yeah, where are you from, and where were you born? And were you an, are you not from Southern California, Orange County, yep. uh, Costa Mesa specifically? Wow! And I moved to uh, Boise in uh, 1994. About that, I didn't, I didn't know Costa Mesa. I'd spent five or six years in Costa Mesa myself. So um, yeah, that's a that area has changed tremendously. What brought you up here? Um. Was looking to raise my family in a in a better atmosphere, better environment. You know, the cost of living, crime, smog, uh, all of that uh, were rough down there. And uh, we had vacationed and come through Idaho, and we just loved it up here, and uh, decided to move up here. And when you fell, you can we we had talked about this a little bit before on the show. You fell on one of those crimes that are notorious in terms of more difficult for society to accept. So um, you want to address that a little bit in terms of uh, from your perspective? Well, to my, to my uh, shame, uh, I was convicted of a sex-based crime. Uh, it's the lowest, worst thing uh, you can be in society and in the prison system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a sexually broken person. And, uh, you know, I hurt myself and, and others in that. I don't want to minimize that at all, but I do want to say that there's uh, a light on the other end of that tunnel that uh, people can come through that, and there is hope. And uh, I do take my uh, recovery very seriously and want to make sure that, you know, I never... Uh, offend again in that or or any other way. And uh, to that end, you know, I, by God's grace, uh, he's brought me through that, brought me through treatment, given me a great support system. And uh, in addition to my own recovery, I'm I'm able to minister and, and come alongside and encourage other guys who've been in the same boat. Yeah, but, and, uh, yeah, this is, it's, it's very powerful what you say, and I thank you so much for doing it because it's something that I face all the time too because uh, I'm partners uh, in, a, in, a, 
an, an operation that does have housing, and we do house prim, uh, percentage-wise probably the highest percentage of any uh, group that with sex offenders. And I'm always encouraging those gentlemen that live with us to live their life the way you're living your life. So it's great to hear you actually say that on the air. I think the thing that is the most courageous that you do and that others need to do is to recognize that God certainly forgives them for their sins. And so it's easier for them as they transition back into the world to just be up front and forward with it and express it. Um, it's easy for me to say when I go through a barista, everybody knows I'm a Christian, everybody knows I've been convicted of been in prison and who I work with, but it takes one more step for you to say, and oh, by the way, too, not only am I a convicted felon, but I'm a convicted sex offender because the temperature changes in rooms when you mention that. Do you agree with that? or? Oh, it sure does. And, uh, you know, you've probably heard we're only as sick as our secrets. Exactly. Uh, but when you shine the light on something, you know, the, the devil has no more power to use that shame and guilt against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and healthy people, um, you know, believe in second chances. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had really great help. Uh, for the most part in the community with the people that do believe in second chances and realize that the label does not tell the whole story. I, I th- there's there's absolute power in that. Uh, it's biblical, bi- biblically based, certainly. And people that can do that uh, and uh, do that on an ongoing basis are going to find... It's that, it's that peace in your heart, Phil, I think, that you see when you're around somebody that has that. Because they don't have those secrets, that it's all out there, and you can really see it. It radiates from somebody. Is that something you've experienced, or do you sense, or do you believe? Absolutely. And you need to be tactful. Not everyone can, you know, bear the weight of your story. Right. Uh, Not everyone has earned the right to hear your story. Uh, So there's different, you know, levels of how one might uh, choose to share. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, there's, there's freedom in uh, truthfulness, and but we also have to be wise and discerning and, and use some tact. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, but I think at the when it's the appropriate time and it's in a situation in which uh, you can be honest, then that's it's the time to do that. Uh, I try to do that. People don't always like my honesty, I don't think, and they'll almost not talk to me sometimes. They'll say, you know, that you'll be too honest. And uh, that's what I attempt to do anyway as we go forward. But I find it's, boy, it's just a lot easier to do that. And I ha- I can sleep at night and not worry about what I've said to somebody or what I haven't said or did I tell them the truth or did I not tell them the truth. So it's very powerful. So I'm, I'm happy for you and thankful that you and I have connected so that we can keep doing this. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, not everyone is receptive or tolerant or helpful yeah. uh, but those people aren't you know necessarily people that uh, someone in my situation needs in their life anyway mm-hmm. um, well and it's helpful to you I think uh, you find at least I find there are certain people that uh, I don't get along with all the time and that's okay I, I find myself kind of almost broken it down from myself I try to find people that I can grow from professionally I, I follow those people around I, when I find people that I can grow from in their Christian walk and learn from them and I follow those people around all the time. And there's people who are on, on the other side who need help and need support from, say, the agency that I have or, you know, the gifts that I have have, have 
come alongside. If I can support them, then I'm all in. I'll move mountains for those people. But the people, those people in the middle, I'm just usually just smiling at them and being honest and moving on down the line. Uh, the good people, I find, as we do this, and the longer I think you do this, Phil, you'll find that the people who will come alongside you will be very powerful people and will bless your life as you go forward. I like something uh, Philip Yancey said, uh, Lord, please make the bad people good and the good people nice. Yes, that's true. That's good. We'll give it, that is good. I like that. We'll have to, I'll but have to use that. I want to I dispel the stereotypes and the fears and, uh, you know, again, the labels and, um, you know, be the exception where you hear things like there's no hope for those people, there's no cure, there's, you know, once they've done this, they're always that. And and I just I want to get away from that and uh, be an example that uh, recovery is possible and uh, by the grace of God that uh, wellness and wholeness um, is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, for perpetrators, for victims, for bystanders, for uh, whoever's involved. Yeah, and you can, the, the, the issue that unfortunately in society when you say SO, the whole, this, this image that comes up, and it is a full range of behaviors that can put you in that classification according to Idaho Code. And uh, what people may or may not know is that of all the people that are out there in that desert, which 97% of those people will get out, 26% of those have that SO tag. And it's a real broad term that uh, makes people uncomfortable. But again, it's like what we're doing with attempting with Systemic Change of Idaho to educate Idahoans about people who have been incarcerated. We need to do the same thing in terms of the SO status because it's a full range of the people who are the predators, if you will, that are sex offenders, those people likely are very, very unlikely to get out anyway. Those people are going to stay in prison. But the people who are the different degrees of, of uh, crimes or code uh, law codes that they broke, those guys are all going to get out, and it's a full range of things. That is true, and you know, those of us who are in the recovery community with this particular issue uh, we don't support, uh, you know, people who are predators or aren't serious about recovery. Uh, I want, uh, you know, the community safe as much as anyone. So I don't want to minimize at all the seriousness of uh, those kind of crimes or, or any kind of crimes, but only to say that that's not the unforgivable crime or the the one thing that can never be recovered from. Because yep, yep. uh, I know that an example, even I think as you were released, you experienced that same thing even from the department, right? Because you wanted to come to the Boise area and was not allowed to, and then you went to Canyon, right? Was that the case? Isn't that the case? My plan was to, uh, to parole to District 4, which was Boise. Uh, the parole board said, no, we want you to go to District 3, Canyon County. And I did not argue. I was uh, so elated that they were going to uh, release me on parole. Uh, I did an extra five years beyond my fixed uh, time, even though I had a good record. Um, So after 15 years, if it was Canyon County, 
my reply was, yes, sir. Okay. And uh, my reply to the Lord was, your will be done. If you're sending me to Canyon County, let's see what you have for me there, Lord. Well, and I think that's too, because you ran into some difficulty, at least through uh, the places I know. I was one person that directed you someplace that didn't work out the right way. But you're right. He has some kind of plan for you in Canyon County, and um, we look forward to seeing exactly sort of what that is in time. I think that will be exciting to watch. I have a really good church home that I appreciate. I've got a good support network. Uh, I work for a employer who's a second chance employer who realizes uh, the value of uh, giving someone uh, with that uh, jacket or label another chance at a job. And uh you know, some of the ministries that I tried to be a part of or uh, inquired about, it was really uh, grieving that brothers in the Lord uh, said, sorry, not welcome here. Mm-hmm. And that was rough, well, and I think, uh, especially I think... when sometime the world is uh, is a little more tolerant than uh, the body. And I th- but I think, too, that's, uh, that's typical of the trail that you blaze, or that I like to think some of us blaze for people who will follow us, it may soften their heart as they see your success and other people's success as they go forward, and then open the door up for the person who follows us. I think that's uh, one of the things that I find gratifying when I go back to uh, the yard the other day, and when I go back to other institutions, I know that there are still friends of mine who are coming after me. And that if the things we develop and that we share and that we develop for them as they're released, it'll make life a little bit easier for them. So in some ways, God sending you to Canyon County or to Region 3 to blaze those trails was something you was inside you. You might not have known all the time, but you will know as you go forward and are successful. And that's one of the things that uh, motivates me in my choices besides living for Christ which, uh, you know, I want to make that clear, that it's only by His grace that I'm even uh, alive, much less as blessed as I am. But in addition to that, to be an encouragement to those guys who are still in there, the brothers that I left behind, the ones that might spend the rest of their life in there, the ones who uh, will be transitioning out. When I'm faced with uh, choices, that's one of my motivators to do the right thing is I want to show guys that it can be done mm-hmm. and uh, that there is hope and it is possible. You know, that's uh, one of the things that um, I, the, one of the things I picked up the other day when I was there that I'd forgotten. But how you see people talk and how they carry themselves and they wear that mask of what they're afraid of as this block in terms of allowing them to interact with people. And you're very, very aware of it, but you've been out of it for a year now. And I kind of tend to forget about it until I get thrown right back in with so many people and watching them interact and how they talk to you and how they talk to people that they perceive as just different staff. But when they figure out that I've been incarcerated or something, it starts to drop a little bit. But that guard that you put up, that you have to put up, that facade when you're in prison, that tough guy or that image or whatever that protects that, that's, uh, I wasn't aware how much uh, I'd been away from that for a while. And it was an eye-opener for me the other day. Yeah, someday I hope to go back in and uh, share the same message that, that we're sharing today on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
with those guys again in person. Well, I think, and that... mainly that that Christ is the answer mm-hmm. uh, to pretty much every question. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing that uh, it's it's on the it's the same on the in the community that we interact with. Those is people who've never been incarcerated have the same sorts of issues. But you and I see it clearly because we see what. Uh, personas they have to put on to kind of get through what they have to get through on a daily basis, which becomes a way of life. But it was just real apparent to me, Phil, and I, I, I think uh, I'm happy you and I are on the same team working on this. So uh, uh, what's the future like for you, sir? Where are we going to go in the next couple of years? Uh, quickly, as I said about uh, Jesus Christ being the answer to the issues, I, I do want to say that you don't go into the parole board and say, Jesus changed me, let me out. Yes, uh, even though that might be part of the message, uh, there you go through the programs, you go through the resources, you uh, follow the steps that you need to do uh, to get parole and then to be successful on parole. And we can't use, you know, religiosity as a crutch in that. Mm-hmm. But as far as the future, um, I'm hoping to be involved more in uh, encouraging guys who are in recovery, especially in recovery from sexual brokenness, uh, because not many people are interested in that. It's not easy to talk about or or even say. Uh, But if you look at the statistics, uh, there's more out there than you think. and Not all have been uh, arrested or incarcerated. I want to help uh, guys that are struggling with that. I want to help guys that are in uh, transition. And uh, that's really where my heart lies. I have a job in manufacturing, which pays the rent, but uh, my heart really lies in ministry. Yep. I think uh, we are... uh we have a huge task ahead of us, sir, and I'm happy that we're working on it together. I thank you so much, Phil, for uh, sharing so honestly and openly with me today. And we'll have to have you back. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, we've got major tasks ahead of us, and I look forward to the challenge with you. We've got a big God. We Thanks, do. Mark. Thank you, sir. You alone have risen. You alone have saved us. You alone have rescued us from the grave. Glorious, you reign now. All creation cries out. Okay, guys, uh, that's very courageous, what our friend just did, Philip, uh, coming on and sharing like that. That's uh, powerful. I hope you got to listen to all that. If you don't, come back and listen to the tape over and over again because that's very powerful stuff. It faces all of us here in Idaho, and uh, we learn we can learn some stuff from the courage that Phil had. If you need to reach me, I'm pretty easy to reach. You can reach out to me at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can reach me on Gmail at Systemic Change of Idaho, all spelled out at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone at area code 208-477-1006. I look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.